The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. And today we're going to talk about high-performing teams, um, which is a subject that is very close to my heart and also to my guest today. But before we talk about high-performing teams... Um, I want to say a big thank you to um, my um, guest uh, last week. Um, we had um, a great um, show last week on uh, on leadership. Um, but also before that, I just want to, um, that was pre-recorded. It was with Maureen Metcalf. Um, but before that show, I want to also thank Jutta Kleinschmidt. Uh, Jutta was an amazing guest. She was the most successful woman um, ever in global motorsport. So if you're interested in motorsport and high achievement and the thrills and spills of, of that, she also talks about the future of motoring, then do check that out from the archive and also check out uh, the interview with Maureen Metcalf. Um, today... Uh, we're going to talk about high performance. And actually, the tables are being turned on, on me because uh, uh, my colleague John uh, Jennings is going to interview me today. Uh, I want to say a, a big thank you to uh, Nottingham Trent University. Nottingham had me speaking about high-performing teams this week. And therefore, we thought it would be great to uh, give them a mention and also uh, their great uh, innovation community lab um, uh, team of, uh, of, of folks who are attending their programs over there and I'm very much uh, looking forward to uh, to speaking with them uh, tomorrow. Um, so we, before we do the show on high-performing teams, high-performing teams really make the difference between success and failure. They make the difference between whether a company can adapt to the many threats, opportunities and challenges that we really face today in today's modern world. And therefore, I'm really looking forward to this discussion, this deep discussion with my colleague, uh, John Jennings. John's an expert on employee engagement, on leadership and team development. And um, John brings 34 years of experience. I'm delighted to say he's a little bit older than me. I've got 25. Um, And um, he's uh, regularly, um, he's worked with major brands in both the UK and in California and led teams uh, like myself globally. And he regularly lectures and presents on the key competitive advantages of employee-centric approaches at the heart of business strategy. He's a former branch chairman of the Institute of Directors and, and fellow. And he currently works alongside myself, delivering engagement programs, team development programs, leadership programs. So as I mentioned, um, I'm going to be interviewed today around this subject. And at Chris Cooper Business Elevation, what we really do is we we act as a catalyst to support the transition of businesses and leaders and teams to higher levels of performance. So I have um, about 25 years of experience of really um, 
uh, being a part of and then um, probably for the last 20 years developing teams. I've run international teams. I've run uh, teams, uh, um, well, multiples of teams, including within my own businesses. And uh, therefore, I just feel that this is a subject very, very close to our heart. But in the last 10 years, I spent a lot of time also developing uh, teams with various uh, clients. So I'd like to say a big, big welcome to my fantastic colleague, Mr. John Jennings. And John's going to host the show today. Chris, thank you very much indeed for the, uh, for the welcome and the intro. Uh, delighted to be here. And uh, hello to everybody listening. So high-performing teams uh, let's kick off, Chris. I'd like to know, really, what got you interested in the whole team concept, and why do you enjoy, enjoy working in teams? Well, I think from a, a young age, I was I was always fascinated by teamwork. It was probably things like you know football and uh, and, and rock music and bands and seeing that those sorts of people uh, people perform. Um, and uh, it was probably when I got into uh, into my corporate life that I really saw the importance of importance of it within within business. And um, I don't know about you, John, but I, you know, I had some, you know, some good teams that I belonged to, and then I also remember having a particularly particularly bad one. And I just saw the the massive amount of difference between a team that was performing really well and one that wasn't. Um, I also, um, in my student days, I remember I used to go and labour in the steelworks in Scunthorpe, and uh, within that environment, I saw uh, some teams that were really kind of highly engaged, but I also saw some that were pretty awful and were part of one or two. You know, we were only doing things like painting fences or cleaning out um, uh, machinery, um, but there was just a you know, feeling of energy in some of them, and there was a feeling of just wanting to leave and go home in others. Um, so, right. you know, I, I just think teams are are really important and uh, as being a people orientated person I just love to work with others and I think when you are in that environment when you're working with others and teams are really performing really well um, it's a very exciting place and you want to go to work. Okay so you mentioned that working with teams at opposite ends of the spectrum teams that are really fun to be part of and high performing and teams that weren't so starting with the Starting with the not-so-good performance, <laughs> what characterised those sort of teams? Uh, that's quite interesting. I, I probably would help if I could do it slightly the other way around and tell you about okay. a team I liked because it was such a stark contrast then to move to one that I didn't. Right. And it might just be helpful to really, if it's okay with you, John, just to start with that, cool. that team. I had a team that I was part of when I worked for Mars, the confectionery group. And we had this Northern English uh, manager called Alan Ravy. And Alan had this real kind of husky Northern voice. He, he liked to have a few cigarettes and, uh, uh, and liked to have a drink. But he had the most amazing way about him. And he would really, really engage us and enthrall us in what we were doing. Uh, he, he enabled us to be very clear about what we were all about and why we were there. And there was something, there was some energy and a spark in that team which I've, I, you know, have tried to emulate in the teams that I've been a part of in, in the future. We could, we could have, you know, a great laugh. We didn't feel any, um, we didn't feel any problem in terms of sharing the issues and the problems together. We weren't really worried about egos, and we could give each other feedback within that team. But what happened is the team themselves we all wanted to um, socialize together. So our families were meeting at the weekends. Uh, we were getting together and, and doing different things. We were, um, 
because we were out on the road selling we were ringing each other up to make sure we were feeling okay that day and because it can be quite lonely out on the road and there was an energy about that team and as a consequence of it um, I my performance um, was really high and I would do anything for that team in fact I wasn't married at the time so I found myself working late at night just to try and deliver more and more for that team um, but actually I was happier doing that than going down the pub. <laughs> Great. How did how did the leader of that team create that environment? What were the key the, the sort of key issues that they they tackled, and, and how did they lead? Yeah, I think they they led with um, clarity about what we were about. Uh, I think they made the task of what we did seem quite you know straightforward and very clear. Um, they were very good at celebrating successes. They were very good. At, he was very good at, um, at humour. I mean, he, he was a little bit of a stand-up comedian at times. But, right. but you know, I remember once um, him saying to me in a meeting, so Chris, um, so Chris, what, what are the benefits of our ice cream freezer at, freezers at Mars? And I said, um, well, you could store peas in them, Alan. And he just looked at me and he said, Chris, you don't say a lot, but when you do, it's an absolute waste of time. <laughs> but language is a bit stronger than that, actually. Okay. Um, but but it was hilarious. We all fell around laughing. You know, it just you know you could just have fun together, and I think that that really helped. But we also, I think, another quality was we were all really good people. Right. So we were, you know, a high caliber team that had been gone through quite a process to be there. Uh, and whereas there was a lot of ego, I think, in other teams, the ego was stripped out, and uh, we just got on. We delivered. We had fun. Um, we didn't feel. Um, we didn't kind of feel the pressure because we were also a bit protected from it. Alan would kind of protect us. So he, he led very much led by example, really. Great. Okay. Now that that's obviously one of the favourite teams that you've worked for, and I mentioned in the original question, perhaps one of the least favourite teams you worked for. What characterised those teams? Well, I think with that team, I think the, the, there was a team that I, I joined in a different function. Uh, a little bit later on and I had a a line manager that I was excited to work for because she was very engaging and I uh, I moved because of her um, to, to, to um, move into another engaging area but on the day that I joined she announced to me that she'd been promoted and she wouldn't be leading the team anymore so we got a different manager who'd been recruited in and on the first day she sort of told us how great she was and how she got a photographic memory, and uh, and how um, yeah, how how brilliantly detailed her mind was. But she didn't really take the time to find out about us, uh, and she just didn't really listen. She told, uh, and she told what she expected and what she demanded. And I tried to ask her some questions, um, and she seemed to struggle with that, with me asking her questions. And interestingly, on my leaving um, do when I left the company, because I left because of her, she did point out that on the first day she met me, I asked her some rather difficult questions, and she knew from that point I was going to be trouble. Wow. <laughs> so um, interestingly, um, I, when I left the company, I, a few months later, my old, her boss, um, had a meeting with me, met me in a, uh, in a hotel somewhere and said, you know, would you be interested in coming back? Um, and she was now going to be doing something less less without people. But in, in about a you know a year eighteen months, um, there was no real humour, and there was a lot of um, uh, showing you what you'd done wrong as opposed to what you'd done right. Uh, and the team was really really flat. It was flat, and we we actually supported each other uh, around her. Okay, fascinating. So, what what lessons did you learn from that experience when you actually were then in a position to lead a team yourself? Uh, that's really. Yeah, it's a good question, that John. I think 
I think I learned from her how not to be. I think I learned, mm. I learned with people to be you know, a bit more more interested in, the, in them than trying to be interesting myself. Um, I think I learned about not you know having to big myself up. Um, I think I learned about giving people that freedom and flexibility to, to to you know make some of their own mistakes, but giving them some guidance what they needed and be prepared to adapt to the different individuals. But also how important it was to not be have to be right all the time. Uh, how important it was to create an energy and uh, you know morale and motivation um, within the team. Okay, so we talked about favorite team you work for and then the least favorite and some of the characteristics. What for you is the real function of a of a team? I think at the you know team in today's environment, I think even more so. I mean, of course, we've had t- there's been teams you know going back through millennia. So you know the ancient Egyptians were clearly building pyramids and had incredible teams to build these amazing, amazing structures. So we, you know ever since um, you know humans were. Uh, really together you know cavemen will have been working on hunting together and gathering food so we've always um we've we've always done that to overcome you know the challenges and threats that we have in life right. today i think it's particularly particularly important in that you know the speed, the speed of technology the speed of change an individual's mind um, almost isn't developed enough to be able to cope with all the permutations of opportunities and threats and challenges so you've got to come together as a team with others to be able to meet those challenges uh, effectively, to be able to overcome those threats, to be able to um, look, uh, you know, look at the opportunities and pursue them. So I think today actually working in teams is, you know, is essential to, um, to what is, you know, a marketplace is where often many people out there are also very good, you know. <laughs> um, so we've actually got to be great if we want to be even better within that with our businesses. Okay. Thanks for that, Chris. What um, would you say are the, are the sort of the key challenges and problems that you would experience when you're working with teams? Um, I think, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think some of the key issues come down to things like, you know, what is the, you know, what is the purpose? Why are we here? What are our, you know, what are our objectives? Often come down to trust. I think one of the fundamentals, though, that I really find is very, very important is team dynamics right. and getting the right dynamic, the right people together in that team. And, um, you know, we, you know, as you know, John, we use a system um, within our development. I've done over 500 of these now where uh, we use a system called Talent Dynamics. Um, and I think it's important to use a, a methodology to help you understand uh, the individuals in your team and the ideal mix. So the thing with the with that particular model and there are a number of other sort of diagnostics, but I particularly like this one, is it's based on a square. See, people take a profile and you get to understand, you know, what percentage of your energy is around innovation and ideas, what percentage is around people, you know, what percentage is around um, operational, grounded, um, getting things done to time and what percentage is around systems and therefore um, you see that within that that people each person has a different flow um, you know some people just love ideas and are good at strategy and blue sky thinking where others are good at leading teams others are good at um, you know the grounded things like getting things done and made and customer service although are better at finance and numbers and what you're really seeking is for the certainly the most senior team in a company balance because all of these aspects are really, really important. So what we do is we sort of profile 
and we get to see when we overlay all these profiles the different um, makeup makeup of that team. And we have got one um, example that's just coming to mind right now with a client who went through this process with me, and what they what they found was actually they got a fairly balanced team because they were quite high performing. Um, however, they had some gaps. And with um, you know, some changes, um, somebody was given, one of the directors was given, um, took the people responsibility was moved, but he got a more detailed analytical project. Uh, another um, was, another person was recruited to fill one, one role. So he was, um, you know, he, he, the person who came in actually listened more than talked a lot. And um, uh, another individual, um, the finance director retired and, and a more typical finance director was brought in. That team became completely balanced after that process. And um, the results were staggering. Within the next sort of four years, they won three times, won sort of pub, sort of um, the Industry of the Year Award. Then they won champions in their sector. They won um, awards for the chief exec. Their profit, profits continued to increase year on year. They completely outperformed the marketplace by getting that those dynamics um, right. So I think that's a real fundamental um, that I would really recommend to people with their teams, get that balance right. Fascinating, Chris. Okay, well, we're just about to uh, move towards a commercial break. I think what we'd like to do after that is, is let's really dig into that uh, subject that you've, that fascinating topic you brought up about talent dynamics um, and what the key dynamics are of a team and bring some of your experience of, of building teams by using the appliance of science i guess so all good okay we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Okay, welcome back. Uh, it's John Jennings here, and I've been interviewing Chris Cooper about high-performing teams. And just before we uh, we we broke for the uh, for the commercials, Chris and I were were just discussing, and, and T- Chris was coming out with some examples of how um, some of the tools he's used can help to build uh, strong and high-performing teams. So, Chris, just building on that, you've mentioned a system called Talent Dynamics that you've got experience of of, of performing over five hundred times. Uh, with individuals. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that and why it's such Yeah, so um, I particularly love that tool because what it does, it's, it identifies where people are naturally in their flow, where their kind of energy sits when it comes to their work. And I think often within organizations, you know, people expect somebody to be able to do everything um, I'd, be, I'd be good at sort of general management or um, to get most tasks done well. Um, and the reality of it is, is we're kind of fooling ourselves because um, we all have natural interests and we have natural gaps. So, you know, for example, for me, uh, it takes me quite a lot of energy to do my accounts once a month, even though so I, I have a bookkeeper to help me do it. I've got an accountant. But, um, you know, raising invoices and things like that is not something I particularly enjoy doing. I'm more out of my flow. I'd rather be doing other things like uh, you know talking to people, talking to potential clients, um, delivering projects, coming up with ideas, that sort of thing. So what I think with this system, what it enables you to do is understand where in an organisation people are best spending their time, and then when they're when they're in that area that they actually like doing and naturally in their flow, they achieve so much more. So the good thing with the particular tool is it helps you. This one helps you understand where in the cycle of business from innovation and creativity through to maybe marketing through to you know kind of sales and purchasing and um, grounded customer delivery like customer service or production or project management or um, accounts legal finance development of processes where your natural um, uh, strengths and interests uh, will lie and then therefore when that's understood you can um, put those people working on areas that they love. And as a leader, um, I just wish so many years ago I'd had that kind of map that I'd really understood my people and really understood how I could best inspire them and motivate them. Uh, and therefore, once you understand that and you understand that in yourself, then you can you can really start to, to play with that and play tunes with it and maybe adjust just workload and priorities accordingly and also understand where you need to recruit. Uh, or sometimes maybe even where you need to let go. Right, okay. So how do individuals tend to react when you say to them, okay, well, I'd, like to, I'd like to profile you, I'd like to use this tool to, to uh, uh, see when you're, where you're best in your flow and, and, and how you fit into a team. What, typically, what sort of reactions do you get from people? <laughs> I think you get, you get varied reactions. If it's, if it's positioned the right way and that it's not a... You know, it's it's a tool to help you understand yourself better and how you can contribute to the team. Uh, then y- usually it goes down um, well. And with some people who are really into self development, they get excited about it. And then of course some people who are very cautious. I remember mm-hmm. one person that I had to talk to for half an hour to really convince him that the company wasn't checking up on him. 
because <laughs> it was kind of like a franchisee rather than uh, and to really share the benefits but when it was understood that it was there to help him and help him to develop his business and his team uh, he really came around and we got to a point when he said chris you don't need to share this with me anymore. I've got it now. I'm completely on your side. I know I wasn't, and I'm sorry, but I, I need to know. I need to really understand this. And now I understand this. Uh, then it's it's really good. And what I think they do is often it's a, it's a real kind of release because they realize, oh, I don't need to be good at everything. Um, I had one guy I remember who ran a business who I shared this with. And he, before I shared his profile, he said, you know, I'm good at this. Yeah, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. And basically, he was good at everything. And then when we looked at his profile and it showed that actually he was a really creative individual, but lighter on his people skills and his system skills and his getting things done. Um, and the fact that during this conversation with me, he talked about ideas and got enthusiastic about them all the way. He suddenly started to realize that um, actually there were areas where he'd been kidding himself. And therefore, that was very, very helpful to him. OK. And from the team leader or the team manager's point of view, when you've got an insight like talent dynamics into people in your team, how can you build on that in terms of perhaps, say, coaching? Yeah, so I think by understanding where someone's in the flow, you can maybe help them. There's no excuse if there's areas outside of your flow that sit in your job role. But what you can do, and some of the companies I work with do, is they will they will uh, match up in certain areas where people are light. They'll match others with them to support them as a team. They'll also bring people with, with different flows together on a team uh, to create the ideal balance. So um, that's how they kind of will will work with it. What I love to do with this is I love to debrief everybody individually so they kind of trust me and then bring the team together and get the leader to start by sharing his or her profile and uh, and their get their and, and I'd be very open and honest about where their gaps are and where they need help. And then what that then does is it, it, it creates the, um, the opportunity to be completely open yourself and drop the ego uh, as the leader's gone and done it. And then suddenly you create this situation where um, everybody is, is being much more open with them and it sort of builds trust, it builds engagement. And there's a, a you know, a, a relaxing when they realize that we then look at you know who else in the group can help this person in this area and people are putting their hands up and rather than people getting angry with each other and frustrated because something's maybe not getting done they now realize that actually if i go to john and I ask him to do um, some detailed financial analysis and he's a sales guy hmm. the reality is probably not going to get done and that's because it's outside of his flow so actually his best the best person is to for me thing for me to do is actually take some of that off him because i like doing that so, you know, can really help the team. Team dynamics is really important. Fascinating. Now, with your experience, what, what sort of systems have you developed to help clients understand team dynamics? Maybe once you've, uh, you, you, you've put the whole team through uh, a, a sort of the profiling and everybody starts to understand better. Um, how do you then position that with the, with the team and with the team manager to help them, you know, how do we move on from this? How do, how do we develop the, uh, take advantage of this new knowledge? Yeah, I mean, typically I would have a meeting with the team, with the team leader, uh, who's, you know, often with the work we do, might be the CEO or the MD, or um, with organizations, once we've done this at the top, then we often move down into other functions and departments. So, and sit down with them and, and share the feedback and, you know, look at the opportunities. And some of that might be addressed through individual coaching and support. Some of it might be addressed by, you know, away days or, or specific training and specific development. Uh, and uh, 
you know, through this, also, you know, some of the responsibilities might will go to the to the leader. Think actually, I could do this and this and this, and I might help them with that and help them with their strategy around their people uh, moving forward. And some of it might be actually, Chris, could you could you, would, could you um, hang on and could you maybe do a, you know quarterly review where we sort of build on onto this? And um, so, some of my clients, we might do, you know, I might facilitate their quarterly meetings and um, and, and we do some, you know. Some celebration, and we look at progress, but we'll also maybe do some team building, and we'll maybe learn something, and you know, just keep 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 building on from that 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 knowledge and awareness. An important thing to just say though, with with some teams, having a balance is not is maybe if, if you are you know a, a sales team or you are a, a finance team, you're gonna as when you put all your profiles together, you're gonna be skewed. Um, what I've found is when I've then brought departments together. And to look at the profiles is they and they, where there's maybe been tension, they then start to appreciate each other and the, and the relative strengths and need for them to be how they are. Um, I, I remember with one particular department, two de- it was an event that we ran, and there were two departments that were struggling with each other, and they were struggling with one individual who um, who kind of administered uh, a certain sort of process for them. And it was very interesting in that they were just saying, you know, he wouldn't bend, he stuck to the process. And, and actually, I'm afraid it's quite frustrating. And um, he said, well, why don't you just rewrite the process? Because you, you rewrite the process, then I'll follow the process. And they were trying to get him to bend the process. But in his um, flow was to always stick by the process. Right. You know, the computer says no, so you, you, you can't um, have it. But his, his brain didn't allow him to be creative with the process. He needed someone else to do it. And then he was very happy then to adopt a different pro- and it was like a suddenly a, a real understanding and a you know a sigh of uh, relief okay that's really interesting do you, do you have an example that you can share with with everybody listening of where you've maybe gone through this process of, of talent dynamics and debriefing and, and putting the team together uh, sharing the knowledge with them that's actually then taken them on to to uh, elevate their performance well I've had, had um, I have one company where by we we developed this system at board level we then um the the md actually i I did it as a little bit as a a sort of friendly gesture i'd coached him and i I contacted him and said i've got this system you might be interested in and did the profile with him and he said actually i absolutely love that could you do that with my team so we did that we then went to i went to various different departments in the company in the in the company and they then started working in different ways and where there was tension we did we did um, we did sort of workshops with them. So actually, the whole company um, would became, almost everybody had been profiled. And then um, what we did, was they, they had about 180 or 90 outlets. And we then started going to them as well. And now um, within the organization, every recruitment that they do, they utilize the process. Every um, recruitment for, um, for um, new kind of franchisee type owners um, they go utilize the process and I mean, we've run sessions and I've done many of them with the franchisees whereby they we bring them together and um, they do it as part of the recruitment process. But what it helps them realize is that the company um, is, isn't um, adversarial. The relationship becomes less adversarial. It becomes about actually me as a franchise owner, I've got some gaps and the company can help fill those gaps. So leave and you know put the right BDM to match those gaps and the right support team to help them. And then it's a really mature way of working. And it was fascinating. I asked the the company MD if we could do a, an ad, do a article 
for a magazine. I was asked to asked to write one on it, and uh, he said to me, his words were, "Chris, um, I really, I really, really love you, mate. You've done some really fantastic what we've we've done here, but it's given such a competitive advantage to us. I don't want to share it." Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to put our name against it to for our market sector. So I think that's a one. And there's a, been a number of them, but that was one I was actually slightly disappointed, but also actually really proud as well. That's a great example. Just moving off briefly off off teams uh, and a, a theme that we can uh, develop after after our next break. How successful would you say are, are partnerships or trios compared to? I don't know, the typical size of a team of seven or eight people. Yeah. Well, I think often when we start small businesses, there's maybe, there's maybe one, and then, uh, or sometimes we get partnerships. And I think it's quite hard as, as a one. You know, nobody ever achieved anything of great significance, really, on the, purely on their own. They did it with others. So often we develop partnerships. And I think with those partnerships, and if you take someone like, let's take um, Steve Jobs and uh, Steve Wozniak at Apple, you know, two characters there, one with slightly different flows. So it was in Steve Jobs was about, you know, entrepreneurship and uh, had lots of ideas and was really kind of driving. Steve Wozniak was a technical, um, you know, technical geek, you know, when we're saying behind the business. So they had different sort of flows. That, and you know, as a consequence, they built that business. Uh, but of course, um, you know, that team has to have over time is going to develop to have lots of other teams in it. And I think the, you know, the quality of the teams and their ability to be to, to maneuver and work well is why you know, Apple went uh, in that from 2002 to 2012 into a you know, multi-billion dollar organization because it was, you know, streets ahead. You've also got the guys in Google, you know, they um, Larry Page and Serge Brin. Um, more similar characters, possibly, but with a you know similar characters, sometimes they can help bring the best out of each other. So you and I, John, we've got some differences, but we've got a profile. We like people, both of us. But I think what we do is we help each other to be the best in our flow that we that we can be. Um, but I would say that over time, you know, the best probably seven to nine people in a team is the ideal, uh, because there's enough people there to really you know cover different aspects of um, of what's required for a project. And um, we remember seven plus a minus two digits of a phone number. And so our minds can actually also remember each of our colleagues if it gets too big. And we can start to build trust and communication. So I think probably seven to nine, I would say, might be the ideal in a high-performing uh, team. Okay. So um, just moving to our, our, our next commercial break. Some very interesting themes coming out there about size of teams uh, and how trios and partnerships differ with each other. So let's, uh, let's explore that. Uh, and uh, we'll go straight to a commercial break now and be back with you very soon. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. If you think you've seen online TV before... 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event, to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Okay, welcome back to John Jennings interviewing Chris Cooper about high-performing teams. Chris, we covered a lot of ground uh, in the previous couple of sessions. Um, I'd, like, I'd now like to talk about uh, some really helpful tips and, and, and drawing out the knowledge that you've got from uh, working with, uh, with teams and elevating their performance. So let's start with, it. Is, is it, do you think a best practice that you've come across in terms of a process to develop a team? Yeah, I, John, I think there's, there's a lot of different models and tools out there. And some of you will have heard of things like storming and forming and norming. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you can Google these models online. Now, there's one that I... I do like, um, which is the Drexler-Sibbert team performance model. And if you Google that, you'll see uh, their model that they've created. And it has, has I think it uh, gives a, some helpful steps to really think about when it comes to developing your high-performance team. Actually, wherever you are in that journey, really. But with any team, there's um, stages uh, which are around, you know, around creation and initiating that team and I think within their model the first steps about orientation and I think this is so important because with any team you've got to be clear and the members have got to be clear as to why are we doing what we're doing why why am I here so I think with any 
uh, new teams. It's important to orientate them and maybe even together, you know, brainstorm and think about why are we here? What's our our noble purpose? As um, my friend Lisa McLeod, who has written Noble Purpose, um, the the um, uh, noble purpose for selling and noble purpose for leadership. Um, at the very heart, if you've got something that you are um, proud that you're actually doing, that can really en- engage the team. I think it might have been. I don't know if it was was it um, was it Ronald Reagan or Kennedy who went to the NASA and they um, were having a com- had a conversation. They walked through NASA and there was a guy sweeping up and they said, "What did you What do you do?" And he said, "I'm helping to put a man on the moon." And, and isn't that engaging for somebody who's sweeping up and maybe maybe cleaning up? Actually, they're playing their part in helping to put a man on the moon. So get people orientated. When, when new teams come together, celebrate. And, and when new members come on, really take the time to onboard them uh, appropriately. So I think that can work uh, really, really well. So then you move on to you've got to build trust. So you've got to get to know each other, which is where things like the, the team dynamic system I mentioned earlier um, works really, really well. Um, so when a team um, starts to understand each other and maybe understands um, the differences that everybody brings, um, that starts to build build trust. And if you've got somebody who is trusted, then people will give what you say a premium. If you're not trusted, they will discount what you've got to say. And as a leader, you've got to lead the way. You've got to build trust and walk the talk. And you've got to look in the, when things go wrong, look in the mirror and say, what could I have done to change this? And when things go right, look through the window and pat your team on the back. So um, trust building is important. So, you know, who are you um, and what's your role within your team? Um, you then go through to a goal role. Um, so um, what are the goals? What are the things that we've got to achieve? Clarify what are we doing? Uh, that's really important. Um, also, uh, from getting really clear about what we do, but get clear about how we do it. And by the time you understand why, who, what, and how, people are starting to really build uh, commitment. Um, then we've got to get into the sustaining stage because you've got to get things done. You've got to start implementing things. You've got to be clear about who's doing things. You start delivering things. And I, and I think in high-performing teams, what they are very good at is also self-regulating. It's not just a leader having to tell them what they do and hopefully by this time you're starting to get through to you know, a team that's really gelling with the right people in it they're clear about what they're doing they're starting to see results and you're starting to go wow you know this performance is um is fantastic and you get like you know alan ravy i mentioned his team earlier where these things are are flowing you know, and my first um my first um, business, which was a procurement consultancy, we we were generating uh, you know multi million down t- um, pound turnover within you know two and a half years in our business. We had really high performing um, teams within that company, and uh, we couldn't have done it on our own. So um, and then, of course, there were stages where renewal. You know, have to some people will leave the team, uh, some people will join the team, and there's a point in time when actually you know with teams they. As, you know, as with a, a tree, when you plant a seed, eventually it will turn into maybe uh, a large tree and then it will die. Um, it, you know, teams do end and um, you have to end with a bang, I think, and celebrate and make sure everybody goes on to something even you know, more special. Okay, that's great. So if you've gone through that, that model, um, and I think it's really helpful as well that from all your experience, you've identified a specific model that actually works in practice, which is great. When you've got a team and you've elevated their performance, how do you sustain that? How do you maintain that level of performance and, and keep people energised? Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I mean, I think, 
I think you have to um, make sure that there's some really good communication. That's one of the things. Make sure that communication's two-way as well. I mentioned that manager that I, I didn't find particularly helpful. It was one way, the communication. Um, so you've got to be able to uh, really listen and take uh, understand what's happening and make sure there's opportunity. You're reviewing with people and there's two-way communication. I think you do the things as well. You know, you and I, John, we're just, I know you are, we're massively into building engagement in companies. You know, it really turns turns us on that when we know when their people are engaged, their performance and their sales start to, you know, shift to another level uh, and you get all of that extra. And as you take the time to um, blend that team nicely through that, um, you know, clear, close attention to uh, to team dynamics, um, but build a team that um, where people enjoy being there. Put them in a nice environment. One of the things I remember that made a huge difference to um, one team that I was um, involved in uh, leading was it was a it was it was a, a, a pub and restaurant group, a large one that I worked for, and we had uh, two areas, large areas of business. There were five and a half thousand pubs and restaurants, and we were sitting in the middle. We were a jointly owned company. Uh, and we managed the supply chain and the logistics and the quality and the forecasting of, of, and the supply of all materials for all of these pubs. But we were stuck down in a basement. And when we got there, you know, I joined them. Morale was really a bit quite low. And um, we felt like the, you know, the, the bottom of the organization. So what we did, we went on a branding exercise. We got together to be really clear about what we were about. We did all those things in that Drexler Sibbert model. And we developed nice logos. We developed values. We put them all over the walls. And one of the things, um, I sourced some um, name flags because people would come down and not. And believe me, nine years later, after I'd left, I got a phone call from somebody in that organization saying, um, sorry to bother you, um, but we've heard that you might know where to order name flags from um, because, <laughs> because they were so, remember, they were so good down in your supply company that we want them for the whole organization. But we, we started to create, we started to get together and meet regularly and have fun together. Um, I also think to sustain a team, you've got to realize it's okay to have conflict but it shouldn't be aimed personally. It should be aimed at a, at a problem. So I think what we have to do is we have to, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to have conflict and debate, heavy debate around decisions. But once we've made those decisions to sustain the team, we've got to all go with it. Right. You know, we've got to suspend, if we don't think it's a good idea, we've got to suspend our, our point of view and be prepared to go for it. Um, we need to, I think, also build um, peer accountability, I call about it, when you know, each, each peers within the, in the group can um, give each other feedback. Um, we need as leaders to be more interested with our people and trying to be interesting. We've got to meet regularly. Now, this, I think, is important. I meet some teams that I work with, particularly if they're in the, the sort of financial or analytical or IT sort of bent where they don't get together. Um, it's, but some of those the members of that team will be yearning for it. So we've got to meet regularly, uh, and we've got to really focus on, on team building, having fun, sharing stories. So that's why you and I do a lot of you know, team building type events, sometimes indoors, and, you know, sometimes an outdoor activity. I've done things like you know, flying birds of prey with teams and right. drumming and you know, building things and um, you know, getting out into the abseiling and all sorts of things that can just break that you know, monotony of being in the office and provide some space to think and to reflect. Um, I, I think something as well, I think we've got to all, you know, we've got to develop that mindset of being prepared to learn together as well. So we have to take time to learn. Uh, a guy I, I interviewed on my radio show, a guy called David Long, 
um, he talked about to me about how he created um, little groups of book study groups within his uh, company. And they, they initially, when he said, look, we're going to study a, a really good book and we're going to talk about it as a group. Some people resisted. I don't know, you know, with you talk sometimes, some of your clients, John, and you ask them how often it is they read a book and some of them have never read one for years since they were at school or college. Um, uh, what he did uh, is he built these groups and they would study books. And he said that situation over the years has generated not only millions of dollars of extra ideas and business for us, it's also um, sorted out people. We've realized that people in those have got, some have got financial problems or marital problems or health problems. And it's brought those to the fore. And within that, those scenarios, we've been able to help. I wanted a program with um, a board and I took them away for two and a half days. And what we found within 20 or 30 minutes, we found out that five of those team members had been um, divorced in the last three years and none of them really knew about it. Right. They were operating in silos. And actually, we had tears even from the men when they realized that, that their frustration with others, <laughs> you know, sometimes it had been because one of them was just about to, you know, sign the divorce papers. And it mm-hmm. wasn't. And, and suddenly, when they started to understand each other, you know, their, their relationship started to improve. Um, I'd also say, you know, review your successes regularly, celebrate regularly. You know, those will be all my kind of suggestions to really kind of sustain that that team. Okay, great. The last point you made there, a really good one about reviewing successes and, and celebrate your successes and make sure that people get the recognition they deserve. What about when it doesn't go well? When, when the team haven't achieved uh, their objectives and goals? What, what sort of things from your experience... Uh, you know, keep the team together and how do people learn from those mistakes and move on? I think you know, that's one of those scenarios, John, where as a leader, if that's happening, you've also got to be prepared to look in the mirror. So, you know, what can happen is people can start to blame each other. And I think you have to you know, take, take on some of that responsibility for yourself, but also be mindful that sometimes when we're moving things forward, they don't always go how we want them to. And, and I think that sense of reality, John, is, is important. And, you know, it's important to be able to learn from these situations. And I always think often when things don't go well uh, on a journey, then, you know, that provides an opportunity to learn. Um, the other thing to say with any project, any, any project of any significance Things always go wrong. Obstacles always get in the way. Yep. Challenge. Things come from the left and right hand side. And that's what the team's there for. That's their job is to navigate these problems and solutions and find a, you know, navigate these issues and find a, you know, an appropriate course to move forward and to achieve what they want to do. So I'd actually say that some of this um, failure um, is, a, you know, will be a consequence of that natural process. There might, of course, though, you might have a team where there's actually right at the, high, at the, the highest level of the organization, um, things aren't going right, and, uh, and there's been maybe expectations that are not realistic. So, you know, often you have to get to that team if you're at a, at a lower level. But expect things to go wrong because they will go wrong. Don't expect perfection. You know, I remember one um, leader saying to me, you know, things have got to be good, but they're never going to be perfect. And, uh you know, he was somebody of great notoriety, and it's very true. Some say fail forward faster, so you know things will will happen. You'll have failures, but move, keep moving, um, and uh, and things will gradually start to you know develop and improve, and then wins will start to come through, and 
so enjoy that that's the exciting bit really the roller coaster of it all sure okay that that's a great insight into reality i guess now just as, as we're sort of starting to wind down now uh, towards the end of the program for, for the for the the guys and girls listening who are in a position where they're going to build their first team what, what couple of sort of top tips would you give them oh my word john i think um we covered a lot of tips today but i would i would really you know be prepared don't don't go into that pretending you know all the answers right you know be be honest with people and then people will be more will be honest and open with you you know the, the you know we haven't got a, a, a you know i was going to say a president of uh, the united states or um or a prime minister of um of europe or or whoever who actually's got all of the answers so you know be honest with that don't don't have all of the answers um seek to you know give confidence you've got as a leader you've got to create a steady ship uh, and uh, and have confidence but prepare to learn together um and, and actually pass some of the responsibility down to the team don't hold it all to yourself um expect them to come up with some of the answers don't just come to me with problems come to me with solutions great well chris i think we've covered a lot of ground about high performing teams i think there's some absolute nuggets in there so i'd like to uh, thank you for your insight based on uh, a huge amount of experience in in building teams and helping others to build high performing teams um just in 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 closing now i'd just like to say if you want to find out more about chris cooper and, and john jennings uh, go to uh, chriscooper.co.uk and if you've got any feedback or questions on the show we'd love to hear them you can send those to chris at chriscooper.co.uk or john at chriscooper.co.uk um chris you'd like to just tell us about uh, who's on your show next week yeah just uh, firstly just a thank you john it was a real pleasure to have you interview me today and uh, always enjoy uh, my t- always enjoy my time with you it's where we work together uh, and uh, uh, you know we could almost spend another show exploring all of your amazing experience around teams and we focused it a bit around me me today doing that so thank you john um next week's show um, we have a twice world champion rower speaker and entrepreneur meta block she's going to talk about controlling your behavior to achieve your goals with me meta's been on the show she was my first ever guest back in september 2011 and, and since then and only a few months ago I had feedback saying what a great show that was she's an amazing lady um, she interviewed me on my 100th show as well uh, we're very good friends too and I therefore really recommend that if you want to you know, learn how to control your behaviour to achieve your goals listen to that she'll talk about neuroscience and the brain um, but also some really good tips and thoughts to, to help you get more of what you want to uh, done so once again big thank you to John Jennings big thank you to Voice America and Erin who's helping us today and I wish you all a wonderful uh, week or two until uh, we speak again We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 